Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. If you say, I thought, you're wrong. But if you say, I saw, then we can have a conversation because that is part of the discipline that comes with playing the position. Everything we do is about what we see. Wow. Um, and if you try to see too much, you know, you will miss it. Like, you see it. You can't see the forest for the trees. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 50th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corston, alongside my co-host, Bjorn Webb. We are so honored and so pumped to have you today for our fourth and final week of our UB football series featuring Coach Jeff Burrow. Coach Burrow was originally recruited as the Bulls' director of player personnel, but now he is entering in his third season as defensive backs coach for the UB Bulls. The UB Bulls are one of the best defenses in the Mid-American Conferences, and he plays a huge part. Today we talk with Coach Burrow of a little of his coaching journey, his faith journey. He's coached at places like Kent State, Notre Dame, and other places as well. You guys are in for a treat with Coach Jeff Burrow. Something that comes to mind with Coach Burrow is he has many sayings and slangs that he says to his players. So be on the lookout for some of that. And we like to say here at the Sweat Room, if you have pen and paper for each of our episodes, but especially this episode with Coach Burrow, highly recommend because he's going to say things where you're not going to want to forget it. You're going to want to jot those things down. And if you're new to our podcast, welcome. We are so honored to have you today, and we're so pumped for today's episode. But if you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. And we like to say here at The Sweat Room, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. You see, we love to interview high school athletes to the professional athlete. It doesn't matter who you are. You have a story. You matter. You bring something to the table each and every single day. So we're so excited for today's episode with Coach Jeff Burrow, and I highly recommend go check out our previous episodes if you haven't of this UB series. We had Coach Brian Borland, who's the defensive coordinator. We had QB Casey Case on the podcast and punter Evan Finnegan. Three incredible stories, three incredible men. Go check out those previous episodes. And before we dive in, highly recommend go subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'd love to know how we can make this better for you. So feel free to reach out to us. If you really enjoyed today's episode, go share it with a friend. That would mean a lot for us as we're growing the Sweat Room Sports and Faith podcast. And go check us out on social at Watermark Sports on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's at Sweat Room Pod. You can go check us out on social there. We'd love to connect with you. And we have a blog as well. It's at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. All of that will be in the show notes below, but you can go check that out. But highly recommend to jot some thoughts down for today's episode. But even if you don't, you can check that out at our blog as well. So without further ado, here is our episode and final week of our UB football series with Coach Jeff Burrow. We want to welcome to the Sweat Room Coach Jeff Burrow. Coach Burrow, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're we're so pumped to have you. We had Coach Borland on earlier on the podcast and a few other of your the athletes that you coach as well. So really excited for today. And we want to start this podcast off. Coach, we, we know that you gravitated towards the game of football pretty early and as a defensive back. How did you, how did you what gravitated you towards the game of football? Um, 
honestly, I was actually put in it by my mom. Um, I have uncles because um, I come from a pretty uh, athletic background, an athletic family, and so all my uncles um, played sports. And so uh, in that part of the country, football is big. And so they kind of introduced me to it. And honestly, I was scared when I first played. Um, and I just kind of kept going back. So it eventually grew on me. And you pl- you played high school football in Georgia, correct? Yes. Diff- we we had Casey on. And when Casey was on, he he was saying that Casey Case, that you, mm-hmm. you know Casey pretty well. He was saying yeah. that Florida is kind of notorious for their football. That Would you argue that Georgia – is more prominent in terms of high school football? I'd say it like this. When you think about uh, Florida football, people probably first and foremost, they think of speed. Um, But in Georgia, Georgia football is probably based more around physicality. You know, Mm -hmm. you got guys that can run, but they run into people at high speeds and they kind of like it. So (laughs) so that's kind of probably got a couple of screws loose down there, but that's kind of how they (laughs) go. Uh, I love it. So a little of your journey, your journey, you played football in Georgia and then you end up playing at the university of Cincinnati. Uh, what was one of your favorite memories there? And, uh, what, what, how'd you end up at the university of Cincinnati playing uh, defensive back there? Uh, I guess I'll ask your second question first, how I ended up there. I honestly didn't know I was going to be at Cincinnati. Um, I, I ran track as well as football. Wow. And so, um, I was um, in the state meet um, because I went to the state and track every year of high school. Um, and, what event? Uh, uh, the 100 meter and the 200 meter and the four by one. I was short, but they always put me in the four by four and I hated it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they still put me in it. And um, I qualified for the state. I was, I was ranked number one in the state. And, um, there's a old uh, coach uh, for University of Georgia named Vince Dooley. Um, he had a son who went on to be the head coach there. And I remember he came to our, our state track meet and he said, we got two scholarships left and whoever wins today, you know, they'll get the scholarship. Wow. And uh, we, you know, we qualify uh, another kid and I qualified for the state and I was ranked number one and he was ranked number two and he false started in the hundred meter pre- prelims uh, so I was like I was just thinking I got this but <laughs> I had pulled my hamstring the week before oh no um, in the regional meets so I was kind of not a hundred percent but I won qualifying I had to scratch in the 200 meter because I was afraid that I would pull my hamstring and my head coach agreed with me and then in the finals I run and I get out and from what I'm told, they said I was out by at least 10 yards on the field. And then I start probably 60 meters into the race. It went. (laughs) I ended up limping through to the finish and they caught me, but I finished fifth. So, uh, you know, as it turns out, that kid got the scholarship because he ended up winning the state in the 200 meter. Um, but my high school coach tells me uh, two years into being at Georgia, he got kicked out of school. So they missed out. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, too bad. <laughs> but I ended up getting to Cincinnati and probably my fond, one of my fond, most fond memories was um, 
my senior year, we were playing Wisconsin. And that was the year Ron Dane won the Heisman Trophy. Wow. And um, I probably played my best game, and we ended up upsetting them. Um, and they tore down the goalpost and all that. And everybody who played and all the players that got in, that played in the game, they got a piece of the goalpost and with an insignia of uh, commemorating the win. Wow, so, that's cool. Yeah, that was I was co-player of the game that day, so that was probably one of my most fond memories. That's, That's cool. awesome. And so, coach, for you, I know we we talked a little bit about the difference between Georgia football and Florida football. Did you have a preference yourself? Were you a you know you've talked about track? Were you a speed guy or were you a guy that wants to get up in their face and hit somebody? I was a speed guy. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, because I was always on defense, and I actually went to college as a wide receiver. Wow. Because my junior year, we were kind of depleted at wide receiver. And I remember we were on a, we were at a seven on seven and they just, you know, I was bored basically playing on defense. And I was like, maybe I can get over there and run a route. And so I got over there and they just told me to go. And I, wow. I ran by everybody. And then that kind of stuck me a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. Hey coach, I, since you you brag about your your speed back then, what was your what was your forty time and what was your hundred meter time? I'd love to know. My hundred, my fastest hundred meter was a ten three five. Wow! Um, and probably most accurate forty was like a four 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 one back then or four three nine something like that is that a little faster than you can run noah oh that's that's way faster than me yeah that's much <laughs> faster so that's awesome i'm sure i'm sure he's still faster than you today <laughs> <laughs> he probably is yeah i'm sure you he gets out there coach you ever race any of your players definitely not definitely <laughs> not hamstrings <laughs> won't allow that to happen yeah sure well that's awesome so you ended up, your career ends up being done eventually at the University of Cincinnati. What made you want to become a coach? Honestly, because I couldn't play anymore. Uh, mm. I went and played in the CFL after I got finished playing in Cincinnati. And injuries kind of derailed that. And then I got into the working force and just found myself on my lunch breaks going out to, because I still lived in Cincinnati. I would go out to the stadium and sit in the stands and like reminisce or watch a practice. Oh, man. And I just kept finding myself back out there. And eventually, um, and then probably my head coach too. Um, yeah. I used to see um, those guys um, and I wanted to, you know, I miss being around the guys and having the relationships of the locker room, the camaraderie. Um, that team atmosphere, it was, it was, it was just something that was missing in my day to day, um, that kept calling me back. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. So then you got into coaching and how did you end up at UB? Cause now we know you're one of the coaches at UB. What was sort of your journey into coaching? And then how did you get here where you are today? I don't know if we got enough time to cover. All that. <laughs> what's, what's your few minute synopsis of that? Um, well, I think my my spiritual journey, I, I had a great foundation because the very first school I coached at was at a, uh, a Christian college called Greenville College. It's in Greenville, Illinois, mm. and uh, it was it's a Division three. And it was, I kid you not, 
it was like one of the worst Division Threes in, it was reviewed as one of the worst Division Three teams or, or schools in the con in the conference or in the uh, in the conference. No, I guess in the country. I don't know. It was something like that. But we were really bad. We were really, really bad. Um, but um, you talk about a foundation being laid. Uh, I mean, we uh, my um, head coach. His name is Scotty Kessler. Um, Scotty was is a devout Christian. Has always been. Um, and he kind of planted the seed in me that you can be a coach and you can be a Christian as well. You know, they don't have to be uh, independent of each other. And he said, you can use your platform um, to really impact guys' lives. And um, so Scotty kind of laid the foundation for me as a coach or seeing a coach who was a man of God and was still, you know, as fired up about football, but football didn't rule him. Mm. Um, and then I guess how I got to UB, um, I was at a other school in a conference and my final season, there, I was the co-defensive coordinator. And I remember us playing UB, we ended up losing it. And one of my coach, one of the current coaches, coach Rob Ionello, he was our, he was the wide receivers coach when I was a GA at the university of Notre Dame. And so Rob remembered me, um, because when I was at the other school, we ended up having, uh, we ended up getting let go at the end of the season. And I really didn't know what my next step would be. And that season was that, that season of not being a coach. I think that, that ended my, I stopped coaching in December of 17. And I, I connected with UB in April, but during that time, that was uh, a lot of building my faith, you know, um, because I didn't, I didn't really know what direction I would go with school. Cause I, there were some other schools that were trying to garner my attention, but it just didn't fit. And um, I had to do a lot of praying, a lot of trusting, you know, I know Noah, he, he kind of talked to me about phrases that I, that he hears me use sometimes. Yeah. But um, one of one of the phrases that kind of was spoken into me a long time ago was a faith that can't be trusted, uh, a faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. Wow. And so um, I think God was testing my faith, you know, to see if I would really trust him. And it was ironic that when I decided to, to accept a job with UB earlier, um, probably about mm, a couple of weeks, I committed to a mission trip to wow. China and it was a football mission trip, uh, of all things. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. What I, did that I, look uh, like in China? What's a football missions trip? Well, uh, what it was is, um, athletes, I think it was athletes in action. They, um, had a training facility in, um, in Ohio, and um, what they did, they were going to uh, form a football team of guys that were graduating that didn't get drafted but still had NFL or football aspirations. Either they had um, been released from a practice squad of an NFL team or they were seniors who didn't get uh, get picked up. Um, 
and we would train here in the U.S. for two weeks, and then we would go fly over to Harbin, China, you know, for and stay there for two weeks and compete in these these like international games. And we had a team from um, Mexico, um, wow. uh, not South Korea, not North Korea, South Korea. Yeah. Um, Gosh, it was it was it was it was like two more, but you get over there and you find you know you kind of and while we were at this 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 uh, football training facility in Ohio, we also had Bible study. We had uh, men mentoring um, um, classes where we would mentor groups and kind of break down the walls, the stereotypes that that guys have been fed about what it means to be an athlete. Um, and, you know, it was, it was one of those life-changing moments for me that showed me that, you know, I'm, I'm on the right path because there was, there was maybe God had to take that other job away from me to mm-hmm. open my eyes to this new opportunity. And I think that um, I had to, it, it, it tested my faith in what I was doing because Coach Leipold, I had not even, I hadn't even, uh, uh, we hadn't even discussed what my summer would look like because in, in college athletics, or especially Division One, in the month of June, that's when coaches tend to do camps. That's when they're going around evaluating summer kids in high schools and stuff. And then in the month of July, that's kind of their one time during the year where they can actually get a break, go on vacation before you start football season. Mm. Well, the, the the time that was uh, allotted for me, I was supposed to be here the month of June doing football stuff, watching the office. Um, and then, well, yeah. And then in July, um, while the coaches were on vacation, I would be in the office and it kind of got flipped. So coach, he's like, you know, I said, coach, you know, the only way I can take this job is if you allow me to, to honor my mission trip, you know, and he was, he was a hundred percent on board. And that's kind of what told me I was at the right place. Wow. Cool. And that, that's amazing. Yeah. It, and originally when you got recruited to UB, you were supposed to be the director of player personnel, correct? And now you're the defensive backs yeah. coach. So how did yeah. that, how did that even come to be? Well, um, again, part of my relationship with coach Ionello, uh, I guess I had kind of formed a reputation in the league a little bit of, of having some pretty good DBs and being pretty good in pass defense. Yeah. So that year, um, when I was player personnel, I had, uh, a lot of interaction with the defensive staff, primarily with coach Boylan in the secondary yeah, and um, spent some time mentoring those guys. And he would always get some feedback from me and my ideas and, you know, things that I've done in the past. And so when we finished the 18th season, we had some, some coaches leave and then there was an opportunity um, to move onto the field, working with the defensive backs mm. and, um, Again, I had no asper. I had no expectations coming out to the end of that 18 season. I didn't know if I would go on somewhere else to get to become a coach again or whatnot. But it went from like no one calling me to like four of the schools calling me, and like 
they was like, do you want to stay? Do you want to go? And I was like, I really like to stay, but only you guys <laughs> want me. And, you know, so sure. Coach B was all on board with it. And, you know, the rest is history after that. Wow. That's amazing. It. So that, that means you've been officially in this role for three years now? Three seasons? Going into my year third, going into year three now. Going into year three now. Love cool, that. cool. And what have you you know, we can talk a little bit about, you know, this past year was a little bit different than everything else, but in, in your first two seasons, including 2020, which was different than we all would have expected. What have you kind of, what have you kind of learned during, during that process? Well, um, I learned that you can continue to grow, you know, um, my football knowledge has continued to expand, you know, cause it's, it's a different system than what I had been. So it just another, layer to add to my football library but like uh, much like i told noah every school that i've been at i've always found myself gravitating to the campus pastor you know whoever that that person is Mm. um and i've always wanted to be involved with with that person because i i've always felt that you you know daily weekly what have you you always have to find time to let your spirit get fed and so, um, Pastor Cal, he is um, Cal Kern. He's our campus, uh, you know, pastor or chaplain. And I love so, hearing him as Pastor Cal Kern. I- <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, he uh, he meets with us each Thursday morning. The coaches and we have coaches devotional, and uh, so it's you know, Cal is Cal is awesome. He's he's been kind of a guy that I've kind of gravitated to since I've been here, and so. Um, yeah, you know, just learning players and learning what makes them tick, but also, again, showing that example that, you know, you don't have to conform. Mm. I know one of the things that when we talked on the phone before this is, you know, God's always been a part of your life. And, and one of the things, whatever program you were at, you always gravitated, to, like you said, towards the chaplains or the pastors of the team. So I, I'd love for you kind of just to paint that picture a little bit for us. Um, what value do you see in having a chaplain on the team? Guys like Cal Kern and guys that have poured yes. into you and other people. What, what value have you seen over time in your life and others of that being on a team? Um, I think that um, it's kind of like um, being a vine. I see those guys as vines, and you—you mm. you are a. We all starts out. We all start out as seeds, and then once you begin to grow, you got to be willing to let your your vines spread. And you know, because um, God, you know, didn't put Jesus on 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 earth just for us to have them all to ourselves you know he, we all supposed to take the word and spread the word wow. and so um i see us all as kind of having a responsibility of stewardship um as mentors to these guys because a lot of you know a lot of guys that come from different different socioeconomic backgrounds different cultural backgrounds um but just much like when i was in china there's always something in us that yearns for him if we were willing to listen to that voice when it speaks to us um and so um i just try to tell the guys you just got to be willing you got to be willing you have a heart be willing to be used you know be an instrument you know an instrument for change and um so i think if i had to paint a picture yeah it would be that of a vine wow 
I love that. And I love even I, I we'll get into a little more of your sayings and phrases, but I think one of the things that you've said is, is take the word and spread the word and how important that is and abiding in the vine, abiding in who Jesus is. That's, that's one of the fundamentals of this podcast. It's a sports and faith podcast. We, you know, we fully believed in who Jesus Christ is and what he can do in that and, you know, connecting that being a good steward. That's phenomenal. So I appreciate that coach. So I, I guess to follow up with that of, we talked a little about, you know, coaching wise, what it got, or what did, what did you learn as a coach, even 2020 up till now, uh, what did God teach you in 2020? Um, I think that he taught me is you have to, you have to live in the moment because you don't know what lies ahead. Mm. Um, I know some of me and my coaching friends and might get in trouble for this. Um, <laughs> back in 19, the 19 season, we said, you know, we had the thought process because we had just came off the great 18 season um, and we were losing some really good players. And so we were like, you know, in the 19 season, we could just kind of keep the, use the phrase, keep the car in the middle of the road. Don't, don't veer off and crash but don't feel like we got to go win it all, but to stay in the middle of the road, we're going to have a phenomenal team come back in 20. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up, you know, the 19 season was a little bit better than what we would have expected. And we like, holy crap, we got, we really got some dudes coming back. <laughs> Somebody's printing something from downstairs. That's the printer underneath where I'm at. Where I'm at the desk. Um, but we had, you know, we got, we got a really good team coming back. So, you know, why not go for it here in 2020? And so the expectations were huge. And, uh, then COVID hit and everything, it's like you had to change your way of thinking um, because you couldn't, you couldn't just be around them. You couldn't go out. You know, it, it took a different level of discipline um, and commitment. Um, and so we knew that. Um, but then from the spiritual side, um, it was much like, uh, I think God was kind of get, trying to get everybody's attention um, because this, you know, this disease that this, this virus that we're all living with, um, you know, I think it was a signal to us, like, you know, you, you did this, you know, I didn't bring this, you, we did this, you know, and what are we going to do? Are we going to keep, keep just living life, you know, how we want, are we going to, really fall back on the principles and teaching that God, you know, you know, we got to start looking out for each other. We got to start, you know, professing his word, you know, because this, uh, this thing is so much bigger than us, you know, and there's, you know, it's, it's been politicized, you know, um, this whole virus and wearing a mask and not to wear it and all those things that come along with it. But at the end of the day, it's about it's about love and, and spreading love and, you know, just trying to look out for one another. Um, so I think that. Um, yeah, that's 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 really a, a deep question. What did I learn in 2020? But I think more than anything that, you know, love will see you through um, probably more than anything. Love will see you through. Mm -hmm. That, that's so good. And I think that's just such a powerful word. And in a year where it's, you know, 
we're learning that you can't really count on anything in this world, whether it's our health, our financial situation, our job status, our familial relationships, everything we've seen can be taken away just like that in the blink of an eye. And, and I love that that's that love. Like that's what you reflected on in 2020. It's that love that we have for each other, the love that God has for us. That's something that will never be taken away. Um, and man, that's just so powerful. So th- thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and coach, so as we're talking, we've mentioned a little bit that you've got some of these little, you know, quotes and slogans and sayings. <laughs> and so I'm dying to hear what are some of these little sayings that you have? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't, they just kind of come out. I think, I think coming from a Southern background and, you know, being the Southern Baptist and you hear like, like oh, yeah. weird things that just kind of, um, they just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I know um, one thing that I use with the, the players and it's kind of hung on and stuff, but we have a, a saying in the DB room, um, anytime they make a mistake and they come to me and I ask what happened. And the first thing is they said, well, I thought I stopped them. I said, you sure you want to go down that road? What you thought? <laughs> said, and then, and then they kind of pause for a minute. And then they're like, nah, I just messed up. And so it eliminates a lot because we say, if you say, I thought, you're wrong. But if you say, I saw, then we can have a conversation because that is part of the discipline that comes with playing the position. Everything we do is about what we see. Um, And if you try to see too much, you know, you will miss it. Like you can't see the forest for the trees. Yes, that's the saying, but I I don't use that one. That's just the one that's out there. Um, <laughs> See, they just come out. They just come yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, and so um, um, we 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 kind of use terms as like you know you got to be able to play fast but not play in a hurry. Um, um, we gotta you got to be singularly focused. Um, um, yeah, you know. The longer we talk, I'm sure something will come out, but I don't just have yeah. it just laying around ready to throw out. Oh, that's good. No, I, I love that. And so, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's such a good, you know, that one you mentioned, if you say, I thought like you're wrong, let's talk about what we yeah. saw. Like that's such a good principle. And I think, you know, I remember a lot of things that my coaches taught me when I was playing in college and in my you know, sort of, you know, playing days. And there's little phrases, little slogans, little sayings that I learned as a player, but also taught me so much about life that now I am sharing with, you know, on a podcast or I'm sharing with my players as I coach and all these things. And I I like the idea of having short phrases, short ideas, because it's easier to remember. It's easier to tangibly grab onto that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm sure there's a lot of your players that in, you know, 15 years from now when they're coaching football and, or if they're, you know, whatever, like they're going to say to their players, uh, uh-uh, if you thought you're wrong, let's talk about what you saw, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah, that, for sure. those little slogans. It helps that coaching go beyond just present here and now. Um, right. so yeah, that's, that's, that's really awesome. And Coach Burrow will be in their, in their head when they're saying that. So. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That's cool. So I got to know my, so my, a little bit of background for you. My dad was a longtime college soccer coach and both of my sisters are college soccer coaches right now as well. And so I've been around coaches my entire life. I coach myself as well, a little bit. 
But from your perspective, what makes a good coach? Um, what makes a good coach? Um, he has to, I think you have to be able to instill discipline, but you can't be so rigid. You're not, a, you're not able to adjust to the players you have. Mm. Um, um, I got a chance to spend some time with the New England Patriots and, you know, they've won so much with Brady and things like that. But I think what um, they're most known for was their adaptability. You know, they are able to adjust what they do based on the players they have. And um, I have been just amazed at, you know, just talking, hearing different players after games that play against them. Um, they talk about how you play them and each week they seem like they're a different team because they're always changing their schemes um, and they don't just do the same thing week out, week after week. You know, a lot of opponents that have played them, they have the mindset, this is what, this is who we are, this is what we do, and we're not changing. Where their mindset is, okay, this is where you're strong, we'll attack you where you're weak, and we'll see if you'll adjust. And a lot of people, a lot of coaches are so rigid and stubborn that they're not willing to change. Mm. And that even happens um, in, you know, in a smaller scope um, with your players on the field, coaches can tend to be like, you know, we do it this way and this is the only way we do it. And you can't do it any other way, but this, and now you're putting your players in a box and some players can function in that box, but what about the ones that can't, you know, because mm. you're, they're not like pros where you can just cut them and go sign a free agent. You know, you got to be willing to adjust with the players you have. Mm, that's good. So uh, coach, a little bit of background for, for college sports. I mean, you know, you get to recruit players, you get to bring them in. Do you, when you guys find yourselves recruiting, do you find your, yourself and your coaching staff recruiting more for, you know, the system that you guys are trying to play or recruiting, you know, the best talent that you can find? Um, I think it's a little bit of both um, because you definitely want to fit. You want to try to get players that fit your scheme. Um, case in point, um, there's a difference on defense from playing a 3-4 versus a 4-3. Mm. You know, with a in a 4-3, you have your typical big defensive end and big defensive tackle. So there's, there's four guys up there. Big boys. Gonna, huh? The big boys. Yes. Whereas in a 3-4 system, now you only have three big guys inside and now you get these kind of hybrid guys on the outside. So they, they have to be uh, fast and twitchy enough to rush the passer, but they have to be athletic enough that they can drop in coverage. And so um, you have you can't you can't kind of recruit a certain type of guy if he if he can't do what you needed to do um, in your system. Mm. Um, but we also have those guys that are so athletic and talented. You said we can, as long as we can get him here, we can figure out something because he can do something. There's a lot to work with there. So it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, but you can't just be rigid and say, we're only going to recruit this type of player or we're always just looking for the best athlete because there's different circumstances that determine if you're able to take that guy or not. 
Oh, I love that. And I, I'm excited for you guys, even for next season. You guys had such a good season this year, and it seems like it's only grown from there. I was, I was telling Coach Borland when he was on our podcast that it seems like, you know, it's not only the Bills that are here, it's also the Bulls. The Bulls are, are the football team in the town, too. And you guys didn't get as much publicity, but hey, I think that can change. You know what I mean? So we'll see how it goes going forward. So what can our listeners expect from you guys next season for the 2021 season um i hope a lot of the same uh, that would be a good thing um, <laughs> but we're gonna you know i think the guys have kind of bought into the culture that coach lipo is you know kind of established we have a moniker uh rcp and the r and rcp is relentless you know we want to play relentless mm. football where we're we're going hard all the time um we want to be uh, competitive, um, like just never have that, you know, that that never say die um, mentality, never give up, you know, fight to the very last whistle. Um, and we pride, you know, kind of like what you talked about, um, pride in your school, um, pride in your team, pride in your teammates, you know, have a sense of pride when you when you are out wherever and you're you're sporting that UB Bull logo, uh, you know, have a sense of pride because, you know, uh, we're building something really good here. Yeah. I love it. Wow. That, that, that's so good. And I'm, I'm excited to, to watch a little bit more UB football next year. And, and I was, I was bummed this year as I was watching that, you know, Mac championship game that it was just, oh, I was just, you know, just came up a little bit short, but we've got, we've got hope here as in the fan base that you guys will get it done here soon. So we're, we're excited to, to watch some more football coming up. Um, but coach, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts, words of encouragement for us and our listeners? Um, well, I made a mistake. First of all, I said, um, the RCP, the C was for competing. The C was for commitment. Um, oh, okay. So All right. I, I'm going to get myself. I had in my notes that it was commitment, so I wasn't sure if I screwed yeah. up or not. I, I was going to get in trouble if I didn't get that fixed. So I want to make good. sure I corrected that before I got too far. But um, for the listeners, man, I'm like, you know, um, I would just say, um, just keep trusting that inner voice. You know, a, a lot of, uh, I think all of us are raised on what's to do, what's right, and you know what's right and versus what's wrong. Um, and you have to be willing to stand for what's right, you know, um, cause it's so the world teaches us, you know, to conform, to, 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 to kind of stay silent when you, or not get involved. I don't want to get involved. Um, but when you see something, you gotta be willing to take a stand. You gotta be willing to, to step out there on faith, you know, um, I, I remember uh, 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 adage in the Bible where it says, um, a man who will save his life will lose his life. Wow. Uh, but a man who gives his life for my name's sake will save his life. Mm. Um, and so, uh, now see, that's a, that's the saying. I didn't mean, that's not me now. <laughs> that's biblical. That's good. <laughs> that's biblical. <laughs> um, but I think the whole, the same principle holds true. Um, because you see there's so many acts of kindness in the world that don't get talked about. Um, and, you know, you just got to be willing to be a light, be willing to be a light. And um, hey, man, things will come your way. Mm, that's so good. You got to be willing to be a light. I love it. Well, thank you so much, um, Coach, for joining us today. It's been a it's been an honor and go Bulls.
Honor's all mine. Appreciate it, fellas. Well, thank you, Coach Burrow, for joining us today in the sweat room. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts on, on our conversation with Coach Burrow today? Yeah, it was, it was fun talking with Coach, and I, I love talking with all different coaches of different sports, different places, different avenues, yeah. and just hearing about their perspective on coaching. And mm. I loved Coach Burrow and his reflection on what makes a good coach. And one of the things he talked about was the adaptability of your coaching style, your methods, your formation, whatever that is, to the people you have around you. And I love how applicable it is in just leadership in all different areas. Um, As a leader, you can't just have one way you want to do things. Mm. You have to be able to lead, coach, direct your followers, the people part of your team, in the ways that they need. And Coach Burrow, he'd probably be the first one to tell you that you know, player A and player B need to be coached differently because yeah. they're different people. And that's what really makes good coaches is being able to see people for who they are as individuals yeah, as well as how that individual fits in the larger form of the team right? and how they, they can best work together to create the best product on the field or yeah. as a team in a workplace to create the best product as a work team. Mm. Um, so that was really, really good, and I loved his reflection. Mm, and I want to piggyback off that because sure. even what he was talking about of what makes a good coach is he talked about even – be disciplined but not so rigid Mm. and adaptability is a great word for him and even look at coaches let's look at even someone in the nfl your favorite sean mcdermott or the the young guys like sean McVay, both named sean sure not a coincidence (laughs) sean mick sean 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 something yeah um but those kind of guys they're young but they're adaptable to their players and i was listening to something the other day and it would they were that's what they were talking about they're like these guys are adaptable they Mm. understand their players and i coach Burrow is very similar to that, and I I think my favorite takeaway from this is you can't walk away from today without a Coach Burrow slogan, because this (laughs) is what he's known for from his players, from some of his coaches, and I think one of my favorite slogans that he said today, and he said a few, but I think he said, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted, Mm. and what a powerful statement that is, and there's so much in life where, man, we're going to be tested, and sometimes we don't even know it. But we'll know it once we reflect back and be like, that was a test and I had no idea. Yeah. You and I both can be like, yep, we were there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. And I was, I was listening to uh, I was listening to a debate yesterday. Mm. I'm not going to get off on too big of a tangent. But the debate <laughs> was between um, an agnostic and a pastor. Wow. And they were talking, this agnostic, he had gone to Christian University as undergrad. He went to seminary at Princeton and very educated. He has his PhD now. And... He was talking about how he's not a Christian anymore because he learned one thing about scripture Mm. that he didn't know ahead of time, and that made him so he didn't believe anything. Mm. And in that moment, when they were debating and talking, the pastor was talking about how his faith was tested when he learned something about scripture, something about history that he didn't know. And we saw in that moment that his faith could not be trusted because when it was tested, he couldn't, he, it couldn't hold up. Mm. And it was that small little thing that every Christian scholar knows yeah. that he said, oh, but if that's, that's what it is, I can't believe this. Right. And the pastor was saying, like, you really threw away, you know, your whole faith and belief that there is a God over this one small, minute detail that some denominations dispute over. Mm. And... I've seen it in my life where 
I have a faith, and sometimes it gets tested, and sometimes I fail, sometimes I don't, <laughs> but I know that that, man, that statement is so true. Hmm. It's so good. So, yeah, anyways, I won't go further into any of that. I'm trying not to open up a, a soapbox for me here. No, that is good. And, and that's so good. And, and one other thing that he said, too, and I just loved hearing the impact of guys like we've had on earlier, like Cal Kern mm. and the importance of a chaplain and that team mindset and him pouring into others. So many times I think people think, Oh, the chaplain, like, what does he do sure. so much? It's the, they're the, the unsung heroes behind the scenes and they're the ones investing, spreading that seed. Another, another saying that he said, take the word and spread the word and how important That's that good. is. And man, how, how for you guys listening right now, wherever, wherever you're at, in your car, at home, and how can you take the word this week and spread it? Mm-hmm. And maybe not in a pushy, you know, slap the Bible over the head, but organic. You know, how, how can it be natural to spread the word this week? Yeah, and, and spreading the word doesn't need to be preaching at people. Right. It doesn't need to be reading scripture verses to them. Spreading the word is spreading truth. Mm-hmm. The word is truth. And so... By spreading love, by loving your neighbor as yourself, absolutely. by loving the person in the grocery store, whatever it looks like, that is spreading the word. Hmm. And Coach Burrow, I love that he connected faith with sports, faith with coaching, because he sees that, no, faith is not this thing that I do you know, just one day a week. It's a part of who I am and what I do. And I can be a coach and I can incorporate my faith in that. So that's it's such a, such a good word. And, and I want to finish with these words and it's out of Matthew 11 or Matthew 16, 25 and 26. And this is the verse that that coach said, but I, w- I want to finish with this. It says, if you try to hang on your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is Jesus talking. And I want to read the next verse because it's so important. I mm. think especially for our world. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Mm. Mm, so important. Such good words from Jesus Christ himself. And what better way to finish on that? Now, Bjorn, this was a fun series. Fun. Really enjoyed this. So, Oh, yeah. It's, it's been good. And that concludes our UB football series. And next week, we are featuring an ex-powerlifter, an ex-bodybuilder. Yes, his name is Sean Maves. Sean Maves is from Toronto, Canada. You'll hear it in his accent, which is great. But you're going to hear about his story of why he left the bodybuilding world and how God has transformed his life an incredible episode and so powerful here's an excerpt uh, bob paris is actually one of the top guys mid mid 80s mid 80s late 90s he was a top 10 contender and he got out of the sport too and one thing one of the things he said in a magazine was he found the chemical preparation pre-contest chemical preparation dehumanizing and that's when i read that 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 really um i really identify with that that part of the sport, I didn't like it all. I didn't like the, the, the steroid use. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 